the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. So if we're going to set a goal, let's make sure we've included God in on this. And at the same time, we're going to live one day at a time and know that if we don't reach that goal, that's okay too. Now, I'm not here going to announce any new goals. I just want to make sure that we're balanced as we do this to be very, very careful. One wag said this, and I really like it. It says, if you want to make God laugh, what do you do? Tell him your plans. That's all you got to do. And I think there's a little bit of truth in that. You want to make God laugh? You know, just make some plans and leave him out. And sometimes he just has a way to get us. So here it is again. I'm going to be real simple. Make plans, but evaluate your motives when you do it. So let's talk now a little bit more about doing this one day at a time. It says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Spencer Johnson wrote a book called The One-Minute Manager, but he also wrote another book that isn't quite as known as The One-Minute Manager, and I encourage you to get that book. It'll kind of help you focus your life down a little bit faster and to think more quickly in a one-minute manager. But he wrote a book that's called The Perfect Presence. And the theme of the book is The Perfect Presence. That right now, for just a moment, we ought to be content with what we have. Now, you might be looking at your present situation, and it's a result of poor planning and leaving God out. And you're saying, how can I say this is perfect? Now, here's how you do it. What you do right now is you use this as a teachable moment to say, I made a mistake. This is a learning experience. This is what it costs when I make a plan without God in it, when I'm presumptuous without living one day at a time, and God decided to rewrite my calendar, and I'm living with this. So, grieve this and leave it and move on. So don't carry the guilt with you, but handle it properly. So make it be the perfect present in your life. So again, what's the solution? Live one day at a time. Make your plans, but concentrate on the perfect presence to make full proof of this because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Here's the third mistake, and that is putting off doing good, and that's found in the passage. Verse 17 says this, the mistake is putting off doing good. He says, therefore, with all that information he just gave us about looking at the future, he says, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Now, I'm going to say a word right here that some of you are going to cringe with because you might struggle with this. Now, every one of us have struggles in our life with some weaknesses that may even verge on sin. But I think James could be speaking here a little bit about procrastination. Would you say that word with me out loud? procrastination. Now, do you know someone who's a procrastinator? Tomorrow, I'll clean off my lanai. Tomorrow, I'll get my uh, carport cleaned out. Tomorrow, I'll clean my desk, you know? So we do this procrastination. I've heard someone say, I'm aiming to do something. And my response is, pull the trigger. 
Most of you know that I have weaknesses in my life. Those of you that are close, you know, sometimes I could be a little more dominant. I try to smile when I speak. I try to be generous and kind and gracious. I try not to be too, you know, moving people forward. But one area that I don't have trouble with is procrastination. But you know what I have problems with? Those who procrastinate. And so I have to learn to just calm down. You know, there's going to be people that just do things at their speed. Poem goes like this. Procrastination is my sin. It only caused me sorrow. I know I ought to change my ways. In fact, I'll start tomorrow. (laughs) So maybe that's you a little bit. Now, there are basically two types of sin in the Bible. And although we'll not use these words, I do think that we could get them easily out of Scripture. One is what we're going to call is the sin of commission. That's when you tell a lie. That's when you choose to take something that doesn't belong to you. That's when you look upon someone and you lust after them. Those would be sins that you are committing. The second sin is, I think, a little bit more implied here. This would be what we might call the sin of omission. It's knowing to do good and then not doing it. And so that also feeds into facing the future. But sometimes as we look to the future, we put off so much stuff to the future that we should really be doing today and be taking care of this right now. So it's the subtle trap of someday I'll, one of these days I'll do this. Like saying, well, before I die, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. That sounds pretty reasonable. I'm glad to hear that, that you'll trust Christ if you haven't done it already before you die. I want to commend you on that, that you will trust Christ before you die. But fitting into the same context is presuming on the future. That's presuming that you know exactly when you're going to die and you'll be given enough time to make that decision before you do die. Did you hear what I just said? All right. So you have to be very careful with putting things off for the later, which we should be doing today. So what's the solution? It's very simple. The solution is simply just do it now. Don't put off tomorrow the things that you can do today. Obviously, don't do today the stuff that should be put off till tomorrow. Look, if you will, in Proverbs 3, verse 27 and 28. This one is even more convicting to me. It says, Do not we withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor, here's the word, now. You can underline that, now. Don't say, come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. Do it right now. Don't wait until tomorrow. There's about three things that we can do with our life. I don't want to reduce it to only three, but three you might consider. One is we can waste our life. Others, we can spend our life. And thirdly, we can invest our life. Now, we can flat out waste our life by just lounging around and not doing anything. I mean, really being a bum almost. Not getting in, having no goals, no objectives, no desires. We procrastinate everything. Not get out of bed, play at the computer, play video games all day long. So we're really wasting our life. And I think of how many, and everyone, including your pastor, can be very susceptible to all the stuff that you can see on the internet. And I'm not talking pornography. That's another whole subject. But I am talking about good stuff that's keeping us away from the great stuff that God wants us to do and how very sensitive we have to be with that. And so we have to be careful of this so we can waste our life. The other thing we can do is we can spend our life. Now, there's a lot of people that will spend stuff, and it's very similar to waste. We can take the time that we have, so we'll spend our time on stuff that is not necessarily bad, but it's also not necessarily, watch this, of eternal value. So we've spent it. Now when we invest it, that's a little different. We can waste it, 
We can spend it or we can invest it. Invest it means that whatever I put into this, I will get greater dividends than what I placed into this. Now we have to remember that it's God who keeps the balances and it's God who then will reward us of that investment, that return of the investment in eternity. But we can invest it. So now I'm sure if you're tracking with me, you're asking, okay, how do I make that decision? I can, yeah, I can see the waste part and maybe a little bit of the spend part, but how do I factor in the invest part? Again, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I'd rather keep it simple. For perhaps some of you, that'll make it easy for you without turning this into legalism. Here's what we do know. If I want to invest in something, I want to invest in something that's really going to last. I'm not going to spend my days going to the beach building sandcastles right up next to the break. If I did that all my life, I might have some pretty good sandcastles half finished in a life that was spent doing this and wasted and nothing invested. So if I could reduce it just to two. Now you take it further if you'd like, but if you get these two, you'll have enough to work on for the rest of your life. What lasts forever? First of all, it's going to be the Word of God and everything about God's Word. It'll never pass away. And secondly, people. They'll never pass away. Now, young people, you're thinking, yeah, but I had my uncle who died or my grandpa who died or my tutu who died. I realize that. But I'm talking about although their body died, they existed forever. Now, listen carefully. After your body dies, you still will go on into eternity. Some to everlasting life and others into everlasting death. You're not annihilated like some cults will teach. You will exist forever. So since that happens after your body expires... I want to spend as much time as I can on knowing God's Word, communicating God's Word, and helping people to understand it in a way that they can be drawn closer into intimacy with God. Notice the operative word. People into intimacy with God. So I'm going to take God's Word and see how it will affect other people for all eternity. So again, I don't want to procrastinate. I don't have a very long life. Remember, it's unpredictable, and it's unpredictable in its length. So I want to make sure that we use it to the very best of our ability and as fast as we can, as much as we can for His glory. I like what the Peace Corps said in a TV commercial. It doesn't matter how long you live if you're not doing anything with your life. It really doesn't matter then. I want to use my life for as much as I can. You know, I find that sometimes people will worry about their duration of life. Carol and I went for our physicals this last week and good news is... I'm alive right now and uh, hope I'll be alive for a long time. Good, good reports from both of us. I have to slow down a little bit, he says, and I can't understand why, but anyway. But I don't know how long I'm going to live, but I want to make sure I live for it. But we get so concerned with the duration of life and God's more concerned with the donation of our life. Oh, not, not just money. He says, I, I want all of you. He says, I want you to give all of you, donate all of you, to me. <laughs> I'm tongue in cheek. Why wouldn't we? He's already bought and paid for us, so we're giving back to him what he's already given to us. We give back to him. That's what he wants. I want to read to you a story that's a true story. Just came off the press. Printed it off this morning. Here it is. When I pastored in upstate New York, Perth Bible Church, we had a sister church in Loudonville, New York, which is outside of Albany. It was called Loudonville Community Church. We were Perth Bible Church. And that was a church that had a passion for missions just like International Baptist Church has. There was a man who 
fell in love with the Lord and fell in love with giving his life to help other people. And he did it by way of the medical profession. Now, he wasn't of any major particular brain surgeon. All he wanted to do was to help people see better. So he was an optometrist, not an ophthalmologist, just a simple optometrist. He was killed on Friday. He and nine others were slaughtered one person at a time and the witness saw him drop and die. Here was someone who knew to do good and he didn't put off his life. They interviewed his wife. Her name was Libby. He's Dr. Tom Little from Loudonville Community Church. Let me read this to you. Risking their lives to help disadvantaged Afghans became almost a norm for Tom and Libby Little. Quote, we raised our three daughters through what was at times just like hell, Libby Little said. A hundred rockets a day was a good day that fell all around us. Family members lived underground to avoid bombing, she said. Yet they stayed out of love for the people and a passion for providing eye care for the needy. But violence prevailed on Thursday. Tom Little, a New York optometrist, was among ten people killed by gunmen in Badakhshan, a remote northeastern region of the country. And by the way, that's right up against Pakistan. The mostly foreign members of a medical team were robbed and shot one by one on a remote road. Their bodies were transferred to Kabul early Sunday. The Taliban claimed responsibility for the attack. He died right where he loved to be. And that was doing eye care in remote areas, Libby said from her home in New York. Our daughters are missing him terribly. But I think their feeling is, too, that this is a real passion he had. More than 400 people met at Loudonville Community Church. Four weeks ago, Tom Little stood right here, an emotional stand key, the senior pastor told the congregation. The church printed Wednesday in its weekly worship guide, Praise the Lord that Tom's ministry is conducting outpatient clinics in a remote village, and it's successful. Dr. Tom Hale, a medical relief worker himself, told the crowd, Little's death was not in vain. Listen to this. This was not a waste. This is an enormous loss. Most of us are angry, but it's not a waste. It was the remote areas of Afghanistan, Libby Little said, where the need for her husband's services was often the greatest. Huge populations were in these remote valleys. The Littles would sometimes hike 40 miles, hike 40 miles one way over mountains to access villages to host eye camps. Little said her husband had recently become involved in a program to eradicate preventable blindness by the year 2020. His passion for helping Afghans ran deep, she said. He would come back to the States and get throwaway optical equipment, then refurbish it. Then he would send it over to set up a little optical manufacturing factory so they could make their own eyeglasses there. Listen to this part. When the couple married, they didn't foresee devoting much of their lives in Afghanistan. Like some of you right now, you're just going through life, you're doing the things, a lot of family stuff, paying the bills. Didn't ever think about this. God dropped in and they were aware. We did feel we wanted to serve God with our lives when we were married. That's the beginning, people. If you're a Christian and you're single, don't marry another Christian. You want to marry another dedicated Christian. If you are married right now, maybe your conversation would be, can we get on the same page with God no matter the cost? We wanted to serve Him. And I like this. We didn't know what that meant. I like that. 
God, here's a blank sheet of paper. We want to serve you. We don't have it all figured out yet. We don't presume upon our plans. We're just giving it to you right now, Lord. But we love you and we want our lives to count. So the couple decided to make use of tools and specialties they already had. Specifically, Tom had some optical tools and Libby had some teaching tools. They took part in working with disadvantaged Afghans. We went and we thought it was going to be two years and it was 33. We loved the people. The Afghan people were wonderful, absolutely wonderful to us. And they would be the first ones to protect us. So this is not the usual state of things where they would murder all these people. Little said warfare in Afghanistan didn't deter her husband. And let me pause. What's not in this article, but the more research I'd done on this, I found out that he was there before the Russians came in. He was there before the bloody revolution of their own Afghan. He was there before 9-11. He was there before the Taliban took over, caring for the people because he loved God. He didn't presume on his own plans. He just said, I got to do good and I got to do it now. He says, if you're in medicine, I think you can feel that you can't leave when you're on the mission field. If you're propping up a hospital, that's the only hospital, then you can't leave when it gets bad. Despite the circumstances, Little kept her composure while reminiscing about her husband. Now that's what an unsaved writer said. But what we know is, God kept her composure because she had peace because she knew she was in the center of God's will. God took control of that. And then the last spoke to me about my sweet wife. She said, We had 40 wonderful years together of serving together all those years doing what we thought we should and here it is and that's enough for life. Well, are we at that point in your walk with God? Are you? Am I? Where we can sense that as we look to the future that we'll make our plans but at the same time We're going to make sure that we invite God in those plans. We're not going to presume upon the future. We're going to make sure that we do this thing prayerfully and carefully, one day at a time. And as we look to the future, we want to do good, whatever that is, knowing it's a part of God's plan, but we want to do it right now. Let's pray, shall we? I'm going to give you a few moments just to think. I'm going to read a verse to you. It's about doing something right now. And the right now would be for those of you who have not trusted Christ as Savior. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says this, Right now God is ready to welcome you. Today He is ready to save you. Now that's out of a paraphrase, but it's just as clear in any version you have that God is ready right now. He's been more than ready. The fruit is ready. He's been wooing you. Do you know that you here today, you might have chose to come here, but you're not by accident here today? God could have stopped you with a flat tire. He wanted you to hear this message. He wanted you to hear the part that says, right now he wants to save you. Is it possible, would it be wrong to speculate that he wants you to do it right now because he knows that you might not have another opportunity to trust Christ, that you can expire in a split second? And so one more time he's given you that opportunity to look to the future and decide right now to trust Christ as your Savior. So here's what you do. You admit to God that you're a sinner. That's not too hard. He already knows it, but he loves you anyway. So you can do that much. You can admit to him now that you understand that you're separated from him. 
And that when you die, you'll spend eternity separated from him. And he says, but I don't want you there. I want you with me in heaven. I want you to have an intimate relationship with me before you get to heaven. And I want to receive you into heaven when you die physically. But you're not going to get there by your good works. You're not going to get there by anything you do religious or social because you have to be perfect to get there. And you'll never be perfect. So the Lord says to you, he says, you just have to come to me just as you are because I'm the one who did all the work for you. When I went to the cross, I died and I rose again. And he says, he that believes on me right now has everlasting life. But remember, believe right now. Don't put it off. Don't presume on the future. Don't leave God out of your plans right now. There, there is no religious way to get to heaven. There's no social way to get to heaven. There is existence after death. The only way to do this now is through God by receiving Christ as your personal Savior. And I pray you do that. You, in your heart, with a clear mind, recognizing that Jesus died and he rose again, you're placing your faith in him alone, not faith and good works. You're coming to him just as you are. So maybe say this to the Lord, Lord, thank you for dying for me on the cross and rising again. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin. Thank you for letting me have an eternal relationship with you that begins right now. Now, Christians, I'm going to talk to you for a little bit. So just listen. What are your plans for the future? Does God have a say in your schedule? Or do you just fill it up? Does God have a priority in your planning? Have you talked to God about what you're going to do when you retire? Have you talked to him about the plans, about whether you should go back to school or what school you should go to even? Have you talked to him about your plans of getting married or some of you that may even be talking divorce? Are you sure God's in this? To date, someone. To remain single. Have you talked to God about your business, your career change, your investments? And have you even talked to him about what church you should be a part of? Here's another question. Do you have a tendency to take tomorrow for granted? If you only had one week left, how would you spend it? What would you do differently with your wife or your husband or your children if you knew you had one week left? Maybe just live each day and each week as if it was your very, very last. Is God your partner in your business? I mean, is God your partner? If he is, will you prove it? How would you know if he's your partner in your business? Does he get part of the profits? Do you talk to him about the plans that you have? Do you seek his advice? What have you been knowing you ought to do in your heart? You know you ought to do this, and you know it's the right thing to do, but you've been putting it off. Someday I'll get around it. James says, do it now. For some of you, it's you need to trust Christ. For others of you, you know he's been prompting you to teach a Sunday school class, to get involved at a small group Bible study, to come over here after hours and do some work on the facilities to make it a special place for our guests when they come, to help in the kitchen with meals. Maybe some of you, you know that God has laid a bigger thing on your heart, a real ministry. Maybe some of you want to go into the ministry. Do it now. 
Seek God's face on this. How many of you would like to have prayer because this message was used by God to wake you up a little bit about some very important things in looking to the future? And you'd just like for me to pray for you in a very special way. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't have anybody in mind about what exactly you should do except to follow these principles for the glory of God in His power. He is a very sovereign God and He is in control. Father, we come before you with humble hearts and we begin by saying as we hear these truths from your word, we easily can look back and see that we did not invite you into all of our plans, that at times as we were doing this, we did not live one day at a time. We were so much looking to the future. We thought everything was going to be perfect. We blew that. And we've known to do good on some areas, but we have tried to come up with every excuse in the book. I'm too busy, got so much going on with my family. I don't have time. I don't have the skill set. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And all we've done is tell the Lord, we can't, and you're right. Father, help us now. We know we can't, but you can, therefore we will. And we have that confidence. So Lord, we want to thank you for the forgiveness of life past. We thank you for the presence of your spirit today. And we look forward to changing our life by the power of God as we look to a future that only you know what it will be. Our desire is to walk by faith in your power, loving you and others obediently, no matter the cost. In Jesus' name, amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.